This is the Hidden Why podcast, episode 636 with Tim Allison. Welcome to the Hidden Why's 30-minute power segment. I am passionate about creating a lifestyle that minimizes suffering and regret. The purpose of life is not simply to survive, but to thrive, and I believe we do that by creating a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Each week, I'll be delivering a 30-minute conversation with a guest expert on a topic that they are knowledgeable and passionate about with the purpose to inspire and educate us all. I don't have all the answers. I'm simply trying to figure life out. And through greater awareness and understanding, I can put into practice what I learn to further my life's progression. I can't give you your life's map. I can't show you the way, but I can assist you in discovering your why. I can help you define your life's compass to guide you purposefully to act on and pursue your life's desires. And from there, watch happiness ensue. My guests are the experts. They are the people I learn from. They provide the inspiration, education, and methodology that we can all benefit from in better navigating the ultimate life. Without further ado, let the show begin. Today's feature guest is Tim Allison. The topic is belief. Tim is a lifelong entrepreneur, business coach, best-selling author, and host of Screw the Naysayers podcast. At the age of 31, Tim walked away from a six-figure income and moved to a tiny fishing village in Canada. The naysayers laughed when he said he was starting an educational software company, but they stopped laughing when his sales topped $10 million. His life philosophy is simple. Know the life you want and have the courage to live it. In this episode, Tim shares all that he knows about removing limiting beliefs and avoiding the naysayers. Enjoy the show. G'day, Tim, and welcome to the Hidden Light Podcast. How are you today? Hey, man, I'm uh, I'm very good. Thanks. Thanks. Enjoying the uh, heat over there in Canada. It's a little bit on the warm side for us, but I mean, it's all relative. Hot for us is probably not what you guys would consider hot. (laughs) No, it gets pretty hot over here. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> particularly up the north. And um, do you get out there fishing? I know you're in a little fishing town, aren't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I am. It's it's really mostly commercial fishing around here. I'm right on, you know, right on the Atlantic Ocean and I've uh, spent a lot of time by the sea, but my interaction with the water is much more uh, involves things like walking my dog early in the morning on the beach and stuff like that and and just uh, enjoying the, the, the fresh breeze and all. It's nice to be close to the beach, I've got to say. Uh, it is nice. I would never... I would never you know, it's been thirty some odd years that we've lived near the near the ocean, and I would not want to, uh, um, you know, to go back to being somewhere that wasn't near an ocean. <laughs> Too far inland, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. mate. Well, welcome to the show. Good to have you on, and looking forward to the topic today, which is belief. Now, just first of all, you've got a book that's just come out. Screw the naysayers; uh, they suck, anyways. <laughs> I love the title, yeah. and you've also got a podcast uh, with the same title, Screw the Naysayers. So, congratulations with those. Right. And uh, tell us a little bit about belief or, more importantly, self-belief. What does it mean to you? Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, I mean, I think it's the, you know, the the, the single most important realization uh, or part of self-awareness, for, you know, for any any of us. And, uh, you know, self-belief is um, is is absolutely a predictor of what's going to end up happening in our in our life and if I can I'll just share a little a, a story mm. from my own situation that really drives it home so so I was um, um, at 31 years of age I was I was uh, living in Toronto Canada and which is our largest city it's, it's still today um, but you know I had I had what everybody would have considered a dream job for someone that age I mean I, it was one of the highest paying sales jobs in the country I had a pretty much unlimited expense account uh, company car uh, 
Um, we were get winning awards trips all around the world and, you know, and the like, and, and, you know, really honestly, uh, lead to my, to my friends and, and, and family and acquaintances. I was kind of the poster child for what success was supposed to look like. You know, I mean, walking around in tailor-made clothes with monogrammed shirts and uh, none of these things, by the way, when I was growing up really would have meant much to me, but, but they just sort of came with the, the job type of thing. Um, but man, I was miserable. I mean, I had, uh, you know, at that stage, we just had our second child. So I had two kids under the age of five. I was never seeing them. Um, I was, uh, abusing, you know, my body with way too much alcohol in order to try and, you know, deal with the stress, uh, yeah. uh, you know, of the job and everything. So I, I did kind of the unthinkable and, and I, and I walked away from it. Um, and not only did I walk away from it, but my wife and our two kids, we moved from Toronto out to this tiny rural fishing village in Nova Scotia. Um, and I mean rural and I mean tiny. Like oh, we were Sorry, what age day. were you there? I, I, I'm sorry? What age were you there? Oh, sorry, 31. 31, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, really and at that time when you really expect to be, uh, you know, you're in your some of your prime earnings time for your family and all. And and uh, we moved to this little community and all the men, you know, it, it's still largely true today. But then, I mean, the jobs for the males around here were on commercial fishing boats and fish plants and the forest cutting trees down in construction. I mean, if, you're, if your listeners could see me, these little hands were not cut out for any of those <laughs> kind of uh, activities. Um, so I told people I was going to start an educational software company. And and um, this is actually before the, the phrase e-learning had even been, you know, uh, it'll come into our vocabulary. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was surrounded with negativity. Like, you know, people, the naysayers just bombarded me with, with criticism. They, they, they laughed at me. They accused me of being uh, selfish and putting my family's financial stability and future at risk. Um, and they told me that, that um, I would regret this decision for the rest of my life, that I was throwing away the kind of a job that only an idiot would, you know, would leave that kind of a job, mm. and that I would never get another opportunity like this again for my whole life. Well, I felt proud. I said, screw the naysayers, and I moved out here, and, and that's great. What I did, this is where the benefit of hindsight comes in, and this is how it loops back to, this, to the belief, um, self-belief issue, is with the benefit of hindsight, I can see, um, Lee, and I'm not to a word of a lie, for at least three years, I wallowed around in self-pity. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was grieving the loss of a career. I honestly, that job was killing me. I openly admitted if I hadn't quit that job, I would have been dead or divorced or both, you know, within <laughs> five years. I yeah. really believed that then, and I believe it now. Yep. No rational person would grieve losing something like that, eh? But no. I, you know, I was you remembering went. the good parts. Yeah, I, I was remembering the good parts, and um, and it, you know, I, if people ask me what my goals in life were, I would. I said this so many times; it was etched into my brain. I want to make enough money to put food on the table and to pay the bills. That was it. That was the extent of my ambition in life, you know, yeah. you know not, let yeah. alone anything else. That was just it, eh? Um, and, and so those limiting self-beliefs, as, you know, not surprisingly, what, because I believed that, that's exactly what I got. I worked for three years, and I was more or less living, I wouldn't say paycheck to paycheck, because I had to earn the money each time, but I, there was never any, any breathing space. You know, it yeah. was just always... So you're just putting food on the table and making ends meet. 
Yeah, exactly. And I'm not criticizing people if that's the goal in life, but I found that wasn't a, that wasn't a very enjoyable situation to be in because right. especially when you don't have the benefit of somebody giving you the check, if you don't go find that next piece of business or whatever, then you don't have that check, you know. And and um, but I didn't see any other, you know, I didn't realize that I was holding myself back. And then I was blessed, uh, you know, a, a guy by the name of uh, Roy Zabrick, uh, Roy rest in peace, because he passed a couple of years ago, but. Mm. Big uh, Polish American guy from New England uh, that I met, you know, professionally, and and uh, um, you know he was, uh, you know, much older than me, and uh, you know we we became friends in some of the business that you know we were doing together between our two companies, and um, he sort of listened to me for a bit, complaining about all these, you know, there's no opportunities here in Nova Scotia, and you know I'd like to, you know, he listened for me a bit to me a bit, and then he gave me a good swift virtual kick in the ass, <laughs> and. and um, you know, it was like he, the example he gave, I still remember it to this day, because I kept telling him, well, Roy, I see great opportunity to work with you and to, you know, the, yes, this product that you, you have, we should work together and it should it should be a success all across Canada. But I can't do that from this little fishing village. And he says, why not? And I said, well, because nobody, uh, people across the country just won't accept, um, you know, this kind of business, you know, coming from this kind of community. And he said, Tim, he said, you Canadian, I still remember, he said, you Canadians must be, you know, absolutely crazy. Um, because he says, and this was in the day when you still had to mail your, you know, when you had a credit card bill, you actually had to mail a check in. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, he, he says, uh, I had to mail, I mail my American Express payment every month to some little community in North Dakota. He said, I don't even know where the heck it is, but I know it's not big. I don't care. It just happens to be where the thing is. And, and you know, I, I not a word of a lie. I mean, I, I know he planted a lot of things in my mind, but I found myself instead of saying, well, I can't do it, I'm saying, well, what are the challenges that I would face in doing it and starting to find solutions? And I'd, so I'd go to him and I'd say, well, Roy, what do you think if we, if we did this or, or came up you know, as we addressed these problems? And he would just say, sounds like a great idea. Why don't you try it? And, you know, man, I mean, it just, it's almost as fast as that. I'd say within 12 months, I had tripled my, you know, my business income. And, and that partnership, we went on to sell something in excess of $10 million worth of software from coast to coast, um, mm. every province in Canada, except Quebec because of the French language issue. And, yeah. and along the way, actually helped a lot of people. And so I'm, I'm just all over this issue today because I, the young people today are, are facing, you know, an unprecedented level, well, at least in the, in the last hundred years, an unprecedented level of uncertainty in terms of, you know, what they're graduating, they're doing what they're told to do. I go to school, get good grades, get into college or university, get your degree, come out and, and, and this good job will be waiting for you. And from, for an awful lot of them, that job isn't waiting for them. And even for the ones that get the job, three quarters of them discover that the job actually sucks anyway, and it's not something they really wanted. Yeah. Um, and like. none of them, none of them know how to, you know, that they've been trained in school to sit down, to behave and to wait, you know, follow the rules and wait for instructions. Hmm. Those skills are utterly useless when it comes to, you know, finding your own opportunities or try to figure out what you're good at and finding ways to get paid for the things that you're good at, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of things we can, we can do to help with that. But man, you, you're going nowhere um, if, if, if you don't believe that it's possible. And and that's why I'm just, um, you know, probably much like you, but certainly on every street corner shouting out and, and trying to drown out the, you know, I don't want to overuse the word naysayers, but there is so much, you know, uh, friggin' negativity in this world. And and every time you get an idea, because here's the thing about naysayers, too, because they can absolutely smell fear. 
And, you know, mm. we both know that the more we want something like a big change in our life, the more we want it, you know, we want it that much because we know that if we, we if we're successful, it'll have this really awesome effect on us. But the more we want it, the more we fear it. It's just, you know, that's just the way that, you know, we've been programmed as a species. Um, and, you know, naysayers smell that kind of fear and, and they just seem to arrive at absolutely the, the, the worst time or the best time from their perspective and, <laughs> and kill dreams. And um, so I just think we need, to, we need to be really, um, you know, on that cause and calling them out for what they are, you know, yeah. and, and just not very nice people. <laughs> nice as I love it. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much good, good stuff in your story there. I think it's, it's such an inspiration, you know, to know that, yeah, there's more to life. And if, if the job that you're doing is killing you or causing you too much stress, you know, why not just take that leap and, and go out there and do it? Um, and, but yeah, a big, big part of that is if having that self-belief and getting over those uh, limiting, you know, beliefs or doubts that you have about what you can do and what you can actually achieve and then avoiding all the external criticism and the naysayers. Um, so I love that. And they're all around us. So why do you think, I mean, you just said there that naysayers pretty much smell the fear. Why do you think they exist? I mean, what's the purpose of going out there and you saying, oh, I've got this dream, I want to do this. And then someone comes in and, and you know, wants to criticize you for for having yeah. that, what do you think the, the reason is behind that? Yeah, there's also there, there are a lot of different motivations. I mean, there are certainly the ones out there. I mean, the younger generations today would just flat out call them haters. Um, you know, these are the people that just do not want to see anybody else succeed. Um, and I think the reason for that is pretty obvious. I mean, these are people that themselves, um, although they might try and pretend life is great, they're actually pretty miserable with their life. Um, and, and they've just accepted that it, there's nothing they can do to change it. Uh, or, or more often than not, they're actually feeling like a victim. They say, well, it's not my fault. This is being inflicted on me by society or by, you know, other people or whatever. But there's, they don't, they take no responsibility for what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. And in their life, they've forgotten how to dream. So when they see Gross. somebody that's audacious enough to come along and have a dream that they can't relate to, they want to kill it. You know, I mean, it's just that they just want you to suffer like, you know, they do. Now, in fairness, we should also say that there are people and these are the ones that are a lot harder for us to deal with. The, there are another set of naysayers that'll come along in our lives. And these are people that are actually very close to us. Um, they're doing it out of fear. Like, you know, I mean, I had family members telling me, oh, Tim, like, you know, don't do this because, you know, because of all, because they were visualizing, you know, what the impact on my family and my marriage and my kids and everything else yeah. if I wasn't successful. Yeah. Their, their motivation isn't bad. Um, it's just like everybody else in society, they've been, you know, we could go on at length. But the reality is in school, we are trained to fear failure. Failure is a bad thing. And, um, and it starts really from, you know, from the, the very first time we get a report card. You know, it, what, what happens, Lee, when, when a child comes home with a good report card? Parents pat them on the back, take them out, buy them an ice cream, give them a treat, bribe them with money, brag to all of their other family members and friends. I mean, you know, and that all feels wonderful. That same child comes home with, you know, with a, a you know, a less than acceptable report card. It doesn't even have to be failing grades, just not up to the standard that the, the parents feel they should be at, the kids mm. should be at. Bad things happen. You get grounded. You get criticized. You get told you're not trying and, you know, and all these kinds of things. What if you happen to have a horrible teacher, you know, or what if, frankly, that, you know, the way they're teaching you, you, you know, you just can't understand what the heck these people are saying and they don't have the ability to communicate to you. Um, so we, we're trained forever to think failure is really bad. And so mm. uh, 
we, we just, you know, we, the knee jerk, that's where self-awareness, again, we just have to, you know, when you catch yourself, you, an idea comes into your head and you start making, because we do it to ourselves, we'll start making the, its internal resistance, um, you know, we'll start making up the excuses ourselves for, for why we can't accomplish something like I was doing. Well, you know, it's my location and this and that. Um, you know, now I know that when I start making those kind of lists in my head, I pay attention because there's two things that's telling me. Number one, I've hit on an idea that I really would like to do. Because if I didn't really want it, my mind, our self-conscious wouldn't bother giving us a list of defense mechanisms to, you know, to try and change our mind <laughs> because they know we're not going to do it anyway. That, that little voice in your head knows everything. I mean, it knows exactly. It's a compass. Yeah. It knows exactly what you want. Um, and so the more it screams at you, the more you need to pay attention. And I actually get excited when I find myself making those 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 lists now because I, I have enough self-awareness to step back and say, oh, you know, something in here is, is really important to me. And so let's figure that out and, and, and let's just make a list of what, what I need to do, would need to do for that to happen. Yeah. But, but those family naysayers and the loved ones, um, really tough if it's a, a, a significant other, a spouse or a significant other. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you have to, um, you, you know, you just have to accept that, that um, when it comes to understanding what our why is, what our, you know, what we really want in life we take other people's feelings into account for sure, but there's only one person in the world whose opinion should really count. Um, and that's yours. Yeah. You know, if you're not going to be happy, if you don't do this, you know, then gosh, I mean, depending on your belief system, but most of us would feel that we got one chance on this, on this earth to, you know, to, to get that right. And do we really want to, you know, like how many people do you know that are in their forties and they're already counting down the days till retirement? Mm, yeah, you know, absolutely. People in the 30s are doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's horrifying to me. I think, boys, you know, and that's why I look around. I mean, I'll flat out say it. I'm 60. I turned 60 last year. And I will tell you, I mean, a lot of people my age and, you know, 45 to 60 that are out there are looking back at their life with considerable regret. Yeah. You know, you know, and and um, so it's frustrating for young people today because they, you know, maybe those careers that they were expecting are for most of them, they're just actually not there. There is, I think, a silver lining because it's resulting in, especially for the kids that are like 24 and under, in my experience, the level of self-awareness in that generation is astonishing. It's, it's, it's like what I had at 40, and it's like what millennials had at, you know, at 30 or so or 30 or, you know, when they're starting to ask those questions. These kids are starting to ask the questions at 19. And if they do get that level of self-awareness um, around what they really want in life that much earlier, then... Uh, you know, 10 years from now, they're going to be in a, in a pretty sweet spot. It's just that they're, they're, they don't have a lot of places to turn. Do you think the, um, the case of having naysayers for, you know, the younger generations will still be evident? Like, I mean, if they're all sort of go-getters and, you know, look, from my, my opinion, millennials don't seem to well, seem, seem very risk-averse. They seem to go after things and, and not care, you know, necessarily. Yeah, well, not that they don't oh. care, but they just more casually walk into whatever. Yeah, I, I think because they're closer to, to the boomers, they're closer to us and they, and they still, you know, they're, they're caught in the middle. I would agree with you that, you know, that, that especially the generation that's in, say in high school, uh, you know, right now that, and, and, and say early university um, is um, less inclined to be influenced by naysayers. But, but the problem's going to be Lee, when, when they, you know, right now they're a cohort when they're in school, but when they get out in the real world, that cohort disappears and you start working in environments where you're surrounded from people from all ages 
Rogers and all these yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and you know, I mean, much as I'd like, like I've, like you, I've, I've met some astonishingly, uh, impressive young people. You know, th- that's the beauty of this pod, these podcasts is you get to introduce to so, so many amazing people. Um, but I'm not naive enough to think that they represent the mass just quite yet. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I would love for there to be a day when somebody would pick up, you know, my book, you know, screw the naysayers and say, well, that's pretty irrelevant because we don't have any. But, yeah. but right now, <laughs> I don't think there's a, a whole big risk of that, of that uh, happening I mean, anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, you know, if, I mean, failure is still going to be evident, and if failure is culturally um, shameful, uh, then it's, we're still going to have naysayers because that's practically why they perhaps exist. That is why they exist. You know, I mean, it's it's, and you know, and and the other thing that drives me crazy is that their 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 belief system is built on uh, entirely on looking in the rearview mirror. So whenever you suggest or somebody comes up with an idea that is, uh, you know, for the future, the first thing an naysayer will do is look around for an example of someone who's tried something like that or similar to that and it hasn't worked. And they'll go back and to them, that's an absolute predictor of what's going to happen to you. And, yep. you know, that that kind of belief system never lets you allow that's, that there's any hope for anything better in the future. I mean, it's it's a horrible way to, to live your life, but there's a lot of people doing it. Absolutely. So obviously the naysayers link with beliefs because if there's naysayers around you, that's going to impact on your beliefs and that's going to limit your success um, or pursuit of what you want to um, go after in life. How do you suggest, maybe you can give us a, a few points on how we can deal with naysayers? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I would, especially for the younger folks, but really anyone, but uh, the first thing I would ask people to just take a step back uh, and, and think about is, is um to understand the way we as humans experience happiness and that that in fact changes over time. So like when we're a child, we're, we're experiencing happiness two different ways through just experimentation. We try things. If we like ice cream, we like it. If we, you know, when we get to the age of discovering the other or opposite sex or whatever, whichever way it is, I mean, you decide that some of those things are nice too. And um, but most of the way we're experiencing happiness there is through external validation. It's through people giving us, you know, good grades on our report cards, through parents and friends telling us that we're doing great. If we're participating in sports, it's by winning, you know, awards, those kind of things. Every time we do something that causes someone else to tell us we're doing good, that makes us happy. And, and I'll, that's the mode we're in when we roll into our, for most of us, when we roll into our 20s. We're yeah. still predominantly looking because we don't know what we want to do. Everybody's saying, well, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? And I mean, you know, it's an impossible question to answer at, you know, 18 or 20 or something like that. Sometimes even later, but I still don't know um, what I'm doing anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but we understand that now. Yeah. You see, but you somehow when you're 20, you think, well, I should know because they're, everybody else seems yeah, to know. And exactly it. Yeah. So when you don't know, what you do is you fall back on the things that you're most used to, which is external validation. So I'll give you an example. You graduate, you get a job, you absolutely hate the job. It totally sucks. Or in my case, it's absolutely, it's good. It's killing me. I literally am, it's killing me and it's done and I'm losing my family and everything else. But people around me would say, well, look, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Suck it up. It'll get better. It's, you know, but you're Tim, you're really doing great. You know, look at all the success you've had. And they keep telling and, and we believe it. You know, we believe it um, right up until the day that we that we that we stop and we say, okay, all of a sudden, external validation doesn't mean much to us anymore. And what we really should be thinking about is is the things that you know, making a list of the things that are important to us. Like up until that stage, you know, we we're chasing 
society's definition of success. You know, so success is graduating from university. Success is getting a good job. Success is getting promoted. Success is making more money. Success is having enough money to buy a house. All of these things, you know, you know, success and happiness is is they're telling us is tied to the accomplishment of a particular milestone. But we know that happiness really doesn't come from any of those things. You know, it comes from, you know, in, in my experience, from living a life that aligns with the things that we that we really value. So when we get into that Absolutely. next stage, when we get into that next stage, Lee, that's when we start asking, well, what, are, what is it that we value? What, 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 is, what are the things that are really important to us in life? And if we can figure out, if we're not happy, then I can guarantee you then there's something going on in your life that is in conflict, you know, with, with something that you value. And once you start to learn those things, it gets really easy to decide, you know, what is the best course of action, what you should and shouldn't do, whether you should, you know, go, go for it or not. Um, but so, you know, in terms of and when, and when you get to that stage, it gets pretty easy to tune out the naysayers because, you know, to, this is looping all the way back to answering your question. But once you start to realize that your purpose in life is to, to have a life where, that aligns with the things that are important to you. And if you're able to do that, um, then you will be happy. And, yeah. and 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 when you have confidence in that and those then you don't have to explain that list of values or whatever you want to call them. I call them core values, but you don't have to explain that to anybody. They're just yours. They, they can't be wrong. Nobody can tell you they're right or wrong. They're just yours. Mm. And, you know, when you once you're there, then tuning out negativity gets a lot easier. And then, of course, the, the next thing and you already touched it touched on it. I mean, sir, you know, just don't hang around with people who are, who are being negative all the time and, and, and surround yourself with people that believe in you. If, you know, you can't get rid of family and love members, uh, no, love members, family members, loved ones, <laughs> and members. sorry about that. <laughs> Maybe you can edit that one out or, or give the listeners a, a, a laugh, but, um, you know, but make sure that there are people in your, in light, in your life that believe in you. And that, you know, whose attitude is that that sounds really interesting. I mean, uh, you know, let's maybe I can. How can I help you? Yeah. Question. That yeah. You asked me in our first you know, our chat before the show. I mean, if we just all were doing that all the time and and if we all we, if we were able to be honest enough to ask, you know, to answer that clearly, life gets a lot easier, you know. So mm -hmm. and I think the third because you, you asked for three, the third thing would be to practice gratitude. Um, you know, when you you know, when you. No matter what's going on or how crappy a day has been or something like that, I, I find if I just uh, – I often do this just before I go to sleep. I mean, yeah. you, know, you know what it can be like if you've had a rough day and the mind doesn't want to shut off and, you know, you're frustrated. And sometimes – I mean, I have this really bad habit of replaying – you know, not even con I make up confrontations with people that I that I've had a struggle with in my head as if we're still talking or something, you know, and I'm trying yeah, to go to sleep. Yeah. But, but if you just if I just stop and say, hey, I'm you know, I'm grateful for or I'm thankful for. And it's just, you know, my wife and, and, and you know, and my children and, you know, and, you know, the love of a dog that wants to get up every morning and go to the beach, whatever it is that you're, you're grateful for. Yeah. Um, you know, if you just say that a few times every day. So. You know, gratitude, surround yourself with positive people and and be sure you know what it is, you know, that you, you know, your, know yourself, know your what your why should be, your values. Yeah, a lot of wise advice uh, in all of that. And I think, you know, it's quite refreshing to go back to that point of external validation versus internal validation, knowing your values and then aligning yourself with that. Because I, I've talked about that in the past quite a bit and I believe the suffering in our life is self-inflicted, it's self-caused. And usually the suffering in my life from personal experience comes when I'm not aligned with what I value. And that's when that friction happens. So I love what you said there. I love your words. I think it's um, really refreshing and really encouraging as well. When going out there after your dreams, 
there's that belief that's always going to come in, internal belief, like sunken conditions belief that, you know, and I still do it. I go, yes, I want to do this. This is a great idea. But then this belief comes in where you're just like, uh, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I'm not cut out oh, yeah. for this, you know? So how yeah. do you, and again, there yeah. might be some relative related points that you just went over, but what are a couple of techniques, just one or two, uh, maybe from your book or from your repertoire of tools yeah. that you've used to help you sort of just embed that belief or overcome those limiting beliefs? Yeah. Yeah. No, because you're absolutely spot on, you know, Lee. I mean, we never stop, you know, it's part of our human defense system. And like if we're standing on the, I, in my book, I give the analogy, if you're standing at an open door of an airplane and you're contemplating jumping out of the plane without a parachute, the voice in your back of the head is going to say, that's a dumb idea, you know, even for you type of thing. I mean, that's why it's there. You know, that voice is there to, you know, to protect us. Um, the problem is that it doesn't, you know, it, it can't differentiate between something that's really going to hurt us and something that is just an imaginary fear and and so um you know i think i think it really um i think two things that i would suggest people do when they get into those those circumstances one um and this is going to sound you know overly simplistic but just ask yourself well what is one thing that i could do right now that would move me towards where i would like to be instead of focusing on you know way exactly the outcome that i'm you know, i'm hoping to achieve but i mean what what could i do right now that would move me even just a millimeter closer to, you know, to, you know, to achieving that goal. And it's really quite um, interesting when we start doing something, you know, to, to, to work towards the goal, we some, we often have the ability to, you know, to, to, to tune, tune things out. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, I, I've always believed in, in, uh, you know, breaking down the challenges. Like the thing about, um, about you know, both the voice in our head and the naysayers we see externally, um, if, if, if we hear the same thing over and over and over again, even if it's not factual, if, if like if three people tell us that that's a really dumb idea and will never succeed, then, you know, it's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one plus one plus one equals ten. Like we start to assume that, well, we keep hearing this, they must be right type of thing. Yeah. And the same same thing, you know, in our head, if it keeps and the more we want it, the more it's going to you know kick around in the back of our mind. So remember that. I mean, if it is if you are getting self-doubt, you, you really do want it. You know, you're just you know, you're questioning, um, you know, if you if you can get it. And you, the only reason you care about that is because you because you want it. Um, so, you know, I I. I, at that stage, you know, I mean, I still, you know, sometimes use pen and paper. I mean, uh, but, you know, keyboard, whatever is comfortable. But if we don't think, you know, if we're starting to question whether we can get there, beautiful thing to do is just to say, well, let's just make a list of all the things that could possibly go wrong. And I know some people say, well, you know, that's negative. Well, I don't view it that way. Like, just make a list. What could, what, what could, if, if I could have um, anticipate everything that could, good could go wrong here, what would it be? You write down the list, and then you just take them one at a time. You don't uh, uh, take them as a whole, uh, all at once. You, what's the easiest one that I could figure out a way to solve here? What do I have to do in order to make that one go away? Check it off. <laughs> you know, yeah, get on to the next. Good stuff. I've used I've used that one a lot, and uh, and you, you don't really have to get all that far into it before you start to get your energy and your enthusiasm back up again, and then you're you know you're kind of off to the races. Mm-hmm. I love that advice, and then particularly that you know, just one thing you can do to move towards your goal. Uh, yeah, certainly experience changes everything, and you know it's it's easy to, as you said, you know, one plus two equals ten or whatever. Um, you know, as far as your limiting beliefs go, but if you take experience, if you go out there and take action in some way, it's just minor towards your goal. Suddenly, your belief starts transforming, and suddenly you start yeah. believing in yourself just through that action and experience. 
Um, And yeah, certainly, you know, there's plenty of experiences that I've had and I'm sure our listeners have had where you've you've done that, you've proven to yourself that. So it's, it's nice to think about those past experiences and go, hang on. I did have a belief at some stage about that, but now I do it all the time and, and don't have any hesitation yeah. to do so. So, um, And that's just through taking action. So action, yeah, speaks volumes, I think, and certainly speaks volumes to um, our belief as well. Yep, I, I, you, you said it well. <laughs> Tim, mate, fantastic uh, conversation about belief, about the naysayers and about, you know, you've given some really practical advice too about how we can go out there and, and pursue our dreams and follow our passions and really create the life that we want to live. I know that you have uh, one saying that I love, uh, know the life you want and have the courage to live it. I think that's great. So thank you for coming on the show. Hey, it's my my great pleasure, Lee. Thank you. Guys, check it out. The uh, hiddenwhy.com is where you'll find all the show notes and connections to Tim. Tim, how can people best reach you? Yeah, so uh, this is always fun to say, Lee, www.screwthenaysayers.com. <laughs> Good stuff. I'll stick the link in the show notes, episode 636. Uh, so check it out at thehiddenwire.com if you want to reach out to Tim, uh, make that connection. And until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. Thank you for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to take something away, something to help you create a more meaningful life, a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Guys, if you love the content that I produce here at The Hidden Why, there are a few ways you can support me. Firstly, connect with me. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can connect with me online at thehiddenwhy.com or via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, or anything at all that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. While you're there, guys, make sure you subscribe to thehiddenwhy.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can be kept up to date with all the new episodes and happenings here at The Hidden Why. If you love what you heard in this episode, guys, or any of the others, please share the love. Share it with your family, friends, and anyone you think that might get some value. If you haven't already done so, you can also leave me a review on iTunes. Simply head over to iTunes, type in The Hidden Why, click the Ratings and Reviews button, and leave me a short message plus a one to five star rating. It helps me reach more people. Once again, guys, I appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to support my show. Until next time, you know what to do. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is the Hidden Why Podcast. My name is Liam Mundelty. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.